I came to this club, um, you know, for no personal reasons. I want to, uh, I want to see this club go back up the ladder, and um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm very proud to be a, a Melbourne player, and you know, obviously love my time at the Bulldogs. But these last two years have, uh, have been great, and uh, I appreciate all the support from the fans. And Hello and welcome to Attention to Detail, the podcast for D's fans, by D's fans, as we hold on for dear life aboard the roller coaster ride that is Barrican for the Melbourne Football Club. My name is Tim. I'm joined with Simo as always, and Steffi. Welcome back. Great to see your Thank face you, and, and to hear it's been been a long, long time, and and there's obviously a bit of a special reason why you're back tonight. But how are yes. you all going, and how's little Bubs going? Yeah, Jordan's going really well. He's eight weeks old now, so settling into parenthood. And yeah, it's been great, Timmy. Thanks for having me back. Now, nah, awesome. Now nah, we've all we've all missed you definitely. But there, but the real reason <laughs> the real reason that you've come is we have a very special guest yep. with us tonight. Um, somebody that's very close to your heart, and we might even start yes. by should I should I show the photo? Um, yeah, to our special on. guest before and yeah, you know, just should. share my screen for a second because <laughs> I did crop can, my brother uh... out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Circa two thousand and five, I think it is, Crossy. So I don't know if you can see that, oh. Crossy. But what year do you reckon? <laughs> what do you reckon that might be? Uh, so oh, then, um, for 2005. <laughs> yeah, he's good. He's good. <laughs> it was, Steffi. He's right. I'm going to say it is. I'm looking at the braces and I, I reckon they're pretty fresh. So I reckon, yeah, I'm going to say 2005. Yeah, yeah. 2005. At 2004 east, or 5, east, yeah. Yeah, East meets West Day, family okay. day. Yep. Good oh. times. <laughs> for the more formal uh, introduction, Played 249 games in his stellar AFL career. 210 of those were for the Dogs and 39 of those for the Ds. And more recently was a development coach and a rehabilitation coordinator at the Melbourne Football Club. Daniel Cross, thanks so much for joining us, mate. How are you? No, yeah, great to uh, great to chat to you guys. Thanks for uh, asking me to come on. I'm going well. How's lockdown and everything been with you? Are you everything travelling all right with you and family and work and all that? Yeah, yeah, no, obviously, um, like every Victorian, um, you know, last year was really difficult. Um, we had, uh, we've got Tyler, who's, um, he's 10, and our little girl, Charlie, she's six. So um, they were both at school last year, Charlie's first year. Um, so two terms doing home learning, um, as you know, doing it uh, from home was extremely tough. So Three weeks this time wasn't as bad, but um, yeah, the kids are just completely over it. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's quite challenging, but um, we're uh, all very appreciative to have our freedoms back again. It's um, yeah, the, the shackles are off, and um, everyone's back doing their activities again, which is great. Yeah, as you said, we, yeah, we can definitely all re- relate from the remote learning thing, and it's it is it's very hard for students and teachers and parents, especially to uh, to be toing and froing between these to you know a virtual classroom and a real classroom because it yeah it can make a world of uh, world of difference for these young students and they've been pretty resilient in that sense and hopefully there's some little things that they can kind of just learn to be a little flexible <laughs> as they continue to grow up as well too because um, unfortunately it seems like that it might be something we might have to get used to and just have in the back of our minds uh, as we progress. All right, so Crossy, we've heard that you had a pretty competitive uh, rivalry with Maddie Boyd during your time at the Doggies. Can yeah. you tell us a bit about that? I believe it was with your endurance running and you were quite competitive with each other. Yeah, no, we, we were definitely and we, we were best of mates as well. Um, yeah. So when, when we were off the field and, and out of the gym, um, and out of the meeting rooms, um, you know, we're very, very close. Our wives are 
are best mates as well. Um, but I think um, I got to the I got to the Bulldogs a year before Maddie. Um, but yeah, when when he came on board, we, we were sort of um, you know vying for the same positions, and um, you know we, we sort of we spent a lot of time down at Werribee, who was our affiliate back then, the Werribee Tigers. So we spent a lot of time playing together down there, um, playing our trade. Um, so yeah, we spent a lot of lot of time, um, you know, getting getting used to how each other played, and and just formed a, a close bond there because you know. Almost every waking hour was spent together, um, and we were both um, really struggling to cement our spot in the sides, um, particularly during two thousand and three and four. Um, you know, I remember I was emergency a lot, um, and so was he really. Um, so yeah, we sort of we pushed each other um, just to get better, really. And then once we had cemented our spot, it was about. Um, you know, seeing how far we could push each other just to, to get as, as good as we could possibly be for the team. And, um, yeah, it, 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 was a, it was a healthy sort of rivalry that we had. Um, but um, it, definitely, it definitely helped us both throughout our careers. And, um, yeah, we, um, we certainly didn't like the other one to get, you know, one up on the other. Um, <laughs> you know, he was definitely stronger than I was in the gym. Um, but I, I had him, I was a bit lighter than him. So I had him in the endurance running um, events. So um, yeah, it, uh, it sort of evened out in the end, but um, no, very, very close mates still and, um, and still talk to each other a lot. So it's, um, oh, that's, that's, that's one of the great things you get out of footy is you, you do form close bonds because you spend so much time together and, and he's certainly yeah. one for me. That's awesome. So Crossy, did you ever think you were going to be a one club player? Like looking back at your career at the Dogs, did you have an inkling that that time was coming to an end? Was it a shock to you? How take us through that time? Yeah, um, I, I certainly, as much as I, I love my time at Melbourne, I, I certainly wanted to be a, a one club player. Um, yeah. And to answer your question, like when it when it happened at the end, it, it wasn't a shock. Um, like I, I sort of knew in the back of my mind when I when I got dropped halfway through. Um, well, I was sort. Of, I think it was around around eight or nine um, in 2013. Um, and we just sort of brought in a lot of, um, you know, top draft picks. Um, so yeah. Jackson McRae and Jake Stringer, Lockie Hunter, um, you know, Libba and Mitch Wallace, all fantastic young players. And, um, you know, Bont came on the year after I left. Um, yeah, so many good young players that formed their 2016 premiership side. So, mm. um, you know, it was the best thing for the club. It was it was really difficult for me um, at the time. Um, you know, I worked my way back into the side. I played the last five games and, and probably couldn't have played much better. Um, mm. Yeah, we had a really strong finish to that year. Um, we did obviously we didn't make the finals, but um, you know, I, I thought that I finished the year really strongly, but. Uh, uh, I think the decision had already been made. I was out of contract, and um, yeah, I think the, the decision was already made. So um, yeah, that was that was really tough for me on a professional level um, because I just absolutely loved the place. Um, I spent so mm. much time there. Um, got there when I was seventeen, and um, you know, just absolutely loved it. But um, you know, that's what that's what happens um, in footy. Um, yeah. You know, not just these days, but it's you know, it's it's happened for a long time. I remember I. Hear Dougie Hawkins talk about when he when it happened to him like all those years ago um, when he went to uh, when he went to Fitzroy. So um, 
you know, yeah, it was it was tough, but um, yeah, I moved moved on. I, I still wanted to play, um, and yeah. I was uh, I was wrapped to get the opportunity to stay in Melbourne because um, we just had our um, Tyler was only two at that stage, and you know we were building a house here in Melbourne, and um, my my wife's family's from down here, so it um, it made it easier to stay here for sure. So very thankful yeah. to the D's for that. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. So you talk about your time at the Dogs. So I suppose we shift our focus to the D's. Um, so who reached out to you first um, about moving to Melbourne and um, what was what was it that uh, excited you most about joining the club? Um, well, Liam Pickering was my, is, was my manager, so, still sort of is my manager. Um, him and James Pitcher, um, yeah, that they look after looked after me, and and they they'd been speaking to to Josh Marnie, who was the football manager at the time, um, and there was a, there's a bit of interest from um, one or two other clubs. So um, yeah, you know, I was lucky. I had I had one or two other choices to to choose from, but um, the thing that sort of really swung it over for me, um, other than staying in Melbourne, was the fact that Rusey was was going there as well. Um, you know the the quality of coach that he was um, or is, and um, you know what he stood for um, as a coach really appealed to me. Um, you know the fact that Melbourne had been um, you know down the bottom for for so long. Um, I guess they they really they sold that they wanted me to come on um, not only as a as a player but um, to really help ingrain um, you know elite habits um, into some of the young players. You know, that, that's something that was a real strength of mine. That's how I developed my career, um, just on, on doing the, the right things uh, more often than not. Um, and if I, you know, if I hadn't have done that, I, I doubt I would have um, forged the career that I did. Um, so, yeah, that was really appealing to me. And, and, and Ruzi, um, you know, he, he thought that, the, uh, that Melbourne was really crying out for some of those guys. Um, you know, Bernie was um, another guy who came across at the same time and, um, you know, he's a little bit younger than me, but um, he was certainly in that category as well. Um, he played a lot of really good footy at, at, um, at Adelaide. And, um, yeah, so the two of us came across and, and we formed a, a good bond um, straight away as well. And, um, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a great time, um, you know, for me. I knew Jade Rawlings really well, um, who was an assistant. Kelly O'Donnell um, was my under-18s coach. Um, at the Murray Bush Rangers, and, and he was there as a, as a recruiter. Um, and I spoke to both of those guys about it as well. So, um, yeah, all in all, I think it was a, a really good decision. And, um, you know, those, those two years playing there really set me up for, uh, for what I wanted to do afterwards as well. So in that time, Crossy, it was pretty evident that a lot of the senior players a couple of years prior to you coming across had been, well, looking back on it now, pretty disrespectfully shown the door at the club and something that speaking to a few past players in the last few weeks, it's certainly what the club definitely needed and was crying out for. And as you said, sort of targeted between yourself and Bernie Vince to come across and, and be those veterans. And we spoke a lot about with Fitzy the other week, Jack Fitzpatrick, about the development of players. And obviously that's a huge passion and, and now a part of your career as well too. But it just it, really interesting having these insights from players about what it does to clubs when you know, senior players are not looked after and they're actually, you've got no one in there for 
to set work habits and to set precedent on you know training standards and i reached out to ruzi and he sort of said to you and said to me about yourself like most coachable person that you know that he's had the pleasure of coaching and you look at the transition that in those three years that he spent at the club and and really provides well really kind of calls you out the impact that you had on that club was was instrumental in probably some of the success we're seeing now which is pretty incredible and i'm sure you would have loved to to get on the park um and i don't know did you feel like you wanted to prove anyone at the dogs wrong that you could still get around and and played still some you know fantastic footy for the days besides your, your injury that you had in your first year but especially that second year you played you know every game and i think went sixth yeah. in the best and fairest 2015 i think from memory yeah yeah, yeah, no, um, no, 100%. You, um, you can uh, read me like a book. No, I'm definitely something, someone that's motivated um, by that. Um, I think a, a lot of people um, say that they're they're not, but as a as a as an athlete, as a competitor, um, you put your your body on the line um, each and every week. Um, you know we're we're com- competitive people, and yeah, I, I was definitely was out to uh, to prove um, that I still had um, something to give and, and something left in the tank. Um, and Rusey said that to me straight up. You know, you're not coming across just to um, you know be that you know veteran um, for the young guys to look at. We want you to actually you know perform on the field for us. Um, we, we need that from you as well. And you know when he when he said that to me, I'm like, yep, I'm, I'm definitely coming. Mm-hmm. Um, to play there, you know, I still believed um, in the, the abilities that I had, and um, I was only thirty at the time, um, so it wasn't um, like I, my body wasn't falling apart. I was still in uh, really good shape, so I, yeah, it was definitely something that I that I wanted to do, um, you know, to to prove people wrong. And yeah, I, I felt that I had two uh, two strong years. Yeah, I unfortunately, cracked my leg in uh, in that first year and missed five games. Um, in there but um no yeah i felt um yeah that that my form um stood up and um yeah i wanted to you know i was i was hoping to play on again in 2016 but I, again like it was sort of that similar situation where there was a, a lot of young guys coming through and um you know i had the opportunity to to step into a role in the high performance um department so um yeah uh, again um just being in that position was was hard, but um, you, know, you just got to, um, you know, swallow your pride and um, acknowledge that um, the time comes for everyone. And um, yeah, I'm still playing. I'm still playing now, so <laughs> um, I'm probably yeah, just want to keep playing forever. But um, yeah, no. Um, to answer your question, um, back to the start. Yeah, no, I definitely wanted to prove people wrong. That's for sure. As you said, like moving into uh, off field role and i think i can kind of already foresee what your answer is you must have been itching to get back out on the ground especially in that first couple of years that you that you had as being you know that development coach it must have been hard the following year you would have been pretty keen to run yeah. out with the boys wouldn't you it was it was strange it really was strange the transition from the dogs to the d's was strange um because you play against these guys and your competitors all the time. I remember when we used to play Melbourne, nearly every game, like I'd have a, um, a wrestle with Jonesy. Um, and then, uh, and then you become teammates and you become good mates. Um, cause you, you know, you don't know what each other are like until you actually, um, meet them. So, um, but then the transition from being a player to a staff member, 
that was even worse um, or even more strange because, you know, the guys are going out to training and you're sort of standing there on the sideline just watching them, you know, warm up and go through their drills. And, yeah, it felt uh, it felt weird to start with and I sort of wanted to, you know, just break off and, and join in. But, um, yeah, I had to, uh, yeah, just acknowledge that uh, my time was over and, um, yeah, get on with the job that I, I was employed to do. <laughs> <laughs> So, Crossy, as a development coach, what foundations do you value when teaching and mentoring young players? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, we were lucky enough, um, me and Maxie Rook, um, me from the high-performance side and Max from the football development side, side we, um, through, the, um, through the idea of Dave, David Misson, um, who was our high performance manager at the time? We uh, we developed the David Neitz Academy, um, so yeah, it's something that uh, I'm pretty proud of that we that we started that and it, it's still going now. Um, so the values um, that I that we sort of tried to instill in, in those guys um, was training with a purpose. Um, so coming to training every day, you're not just rocking up, um, you know, just trying to get through the day. You're coming coming into the club with a real purpose to get better. Um, whether that's on the training track, in the gym, in the meeting rooms, you're getting better and you're progressing um, to that next. Um, and then tied to that is attention to detail. So all the little things, um, all the little things that people don't see um, behind closed doors. Um, and it's those really difficult things um, that take real discipline um, you know, it's easy to do something in front of a coach um, and, you know, sort of show off in front of them, oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And, they, they, you know, they, they, they take acknowledgement. Um, they acknowledge that you're doing extra work, but it's the stuff that um, people don't see, the little attention to detail things when, when you're at home, um, when everyone's gone home. Um, that, that was a, another area that I, I really sort of drive um, into those young guys. And the last one was just respect. Um, respect for your peers, um, respect for your coaches, um, for, for all staff. Um, everyone has a role to play um, in a football club. It's just not about you as a player. Um, yes, you're the guys that are out there performing, um, but it takes a lot of people. And I didn't, you know, I, I, did, I did know this, but I didn't, I sort of, I guess, took it a little bit for granted. It takes so many people to get um, a team ready to play on the weekend. Mm. Um, and, you know, that goes all the way through um, through pre-season right through to the competitive season starting. So respect, respect for that and just respect for the game in general and not taking it for granted where you are. Um, you know, it's a privileged position to play AFL footy. Um, and some, some guys um, come in and don't respect it and they get chewed up and spit out pretty quickly. Um, the guys that um, think that they're just going to get by on talent. But... Um, you know, those guys that do respect it, um, they're the ones that usually for, forge the, the good careers. Um, and, you know, they, they work out eventually uh, what it takes um, to be a good player. So they're the sort of three, three areas that we try to drive into those, those young guys. And, yeah, you see guys like um, Angus Brayshaw, Petraka, Salem, Harms, Yilbullen, um, just to name a few, some of those young guys. Um, I started playing with and then, um, yes, you know, started to help once I'd, I'd uh, move into the, the coaching side 
um, yeah, coming through now and playing just some uh, unbelievable footy now. It's, um, it's special to see. Yeah. Absolutely love it, my friend. And also, oh, I love how you say attention to detail. Um, name of the podcast. Yeah. My, <laughs> um, when I, when I saw they're like, wow, I wonder if they picked that up. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you've chosen your words very well there. Yeah. Um, that does lead really well into the next question. Um, so throughout your time, how have you seen the impact of coaching over time? You look at it now and you look at the growth um, across your career. I mean, back you know when you were developing as a young player, you wouldn't have had all these extra coaches. So it's, yeah, really interesting to see your view in that in that area. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. Um, I mean, the, my first year, Terry Wallace was coaching. He had... Uh, Three assistants. I think there was one development coach, um, basically one high performance um, person, maybe maybe a second person who was part time a weights coach. Um, yeah, it's um, it's grown so much. Um, yeah, over I guess it's twenty years now since I um, first started. Um, yeah, and um, I guess, unfortunately, um, I've been caught in this position, um, you know, that's been trimmed down due to, to COVID, um, which is unfortunate. But um, as I was saying before, everyone, um, you know, clubs just don't um, hire um, employed people um, just for the sake of it. Um, they're employed for, for a reason and they're, they're specialist coaches in a, in a particular area. They, they specialise in, in something and... Um, you know, it's the, the access that players have these days is incredible. Um, you know, I spoke about that, you know, one development coach um, when I was starting, like everyone's trying to grab that same guy to go and do extra work sort of thing. Um, but, you know, nowadays there's, well, except for probably this year and last year, there, you know, there was up to, you know, three, four, five development coaches at, at each club and um, you could sit down and go through your game with, with all of them as well and, um, you know, you can have one-on-ones with all different types of high-performance people, um, dietitians, um, loads managers, and you know, there's yeah, there's just so many different um, yeah positions um, now. So um, you know, the players, yeah, players these days are, are really lucky, and um, you know, certainly when I started, you know, the the guys that I had um, did you know they did an amazing job, but they're getting pulled every which way. Um, you know, with, with 40 different players. So um, no, the access, yeah, the access that um, that players have now is great. And just on that, Crossy, I think also now that they're getting, you know, it's much more publicised and the recognition that assistant coaches, development coaches, high-performance coaches are now getting in the media and kind of seen as that missing piece in the puzzle for teams, you know, you're seeing reshuffle of coaching structures, uh, you know, it's quite well highlighted at the moment the the impact that Darren Burgess and you know Mark Williams for the days in particular like that's getting a lot of media attention you look at you know Blake Carousel as a highly touted assistant coach these names I think yeah 20 years ago so much attention on on poaching and and getting these these team of coaches together and see it as a team effort I think whereas you know the head coach obviously still gets a lot of the a lot of the fame, but also a lot of the, you know, um, criticism as well too at the moment. But you're really kind of saying effective teams and clubs are now putting together such a comprehensive coaching panel and team. And it's, yeah, it's it's certainly not down just to one person or one one head coach and a couple of assistants. And it's, yeah, it's amazing to sort of see and hear, 
you know the impact that they're all having individually on on players and how it all just works together as as a cohesive unit yeah no absolutely you're spot on um yeah there's many many cogs to the to the wheel and that make it uh, go around and um yeah as i said they they all you know specialize um in certain areas and, and a lot of work goes into you know getting themselves to those positions um as well so um it, it's hard just to just to transition straight out of footy just because you're a footy player you know you know they actually have to do like you know really decent coaching courses these days and in my area um if you don't have a, a really good degree or um you know you know specialist coaching and um, strength or conditioning um you know then the jobs are really hard to get so um yeah it, it's tough to to get into the to the afl system um and um yeah you know when 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 you do eventually get in um you, you've got to do a really good job. Otherwise, um, you know, someone will, the next, you know, good person will come up and, and take your job. So, um, so yeah, you've, um, yeah, you've got to really have your, your wits about you and know what you're doing. So the other side of that, of the development, and unfortunately for the game, there's always going to be injuries, but you would obviously have a fair bit to do with some of the players on uh, on our side that, that have been dealing with short or all, all forms of injuries, I'm sure. But you think about players that have had some pretty horrendous luck with long-term injuries and speaking to Trengove last week and, and listening to his journey. But you look at a number of other players, you know, um, Vandenberg obviously spent a lot of time out with his foot. I'm thinking about dealing with these players and, and knowing that they're going to be sitting out in the sidelines for a long time, what's the most important thing, do you think, in terms of addressing their mindset and how it is to try and stay ready and stay connected with the club, but also, and we talked about this last week, the importance of having an outlet and an ability to focus your energies elsewhere so that you're not sort of too caught up in not playing. You've got, you know, it's finding that balance yeah. of, of being present in the club, but also keeping yourself occupied if you are if you know that you're going to be on the sidelines for 12 months. Yeah, the, the word mindset that you use there is a, is a really key word um, for those guys, particularly in long-term um, rehab. Um, you know, being the, the coordinator and being through it, my um, being through it myself um, as a player. You know, I think that's one of the strengths that I have is um, you know having the empathy for the players and know what they're what they're going through. But um, yeah, it can be really challenging um, keeping those guys upbeat. Um, you know, another one is D's fans haven't really seen him Aaron Nitschke he's um he's done his knee um, three times now and um you know it's so sad to to see someone like that like I I really think that you know he could make it at the at the top level but he just hasn't had that shot um at proving himself um yet so you know how do you keep a guy up um time after time um but um you have to find um different ways and uh, you know obviously the the reconditioning of the player is, is super important um, to get them to a point where they can train and, and play with the main group. But um, psychologically, um, you know, having them involved, um, you know, in meetings, um, on game day, you know, with the Casey guys, giving them a match day role, um, you know, if, if the rehab group's not training on a particular day, have them out in the training track and taking a couple of drills and developing themselves that way. Um, you know, something that's um, really progressed over time and um, is something having having a, a course or, you know, um, 
you know, something something else that you're doing outside of, of footy is really important important to to keep their minds ticking over and not just thinking about um, footy and their, their injury the whole time. Um, so, yeah, it's really finding a, a balance of, of all those things um, for them and, and not just them rocking into training with the mundane, um, you know, rehab every day because, you know, as much as I love my job, um, I understand that it's not where they want to be. <laughs> they don't want to be, you know, training with me really as, as the rehab coach. So, um, you know, and, and guys um, in my in my position at clubs understand that. But, um, you know, I, I really tried to, to wrap my, my arms around the guys and, um, you know, take, take really good care of them back, um, you know, physically, but also make sure that they're mentally... Um, ready as well yeah because marty hall is another one that comes to mind as well too somebody that we got to see a fair bit of and you know was looking really promising definitely having an impact in the side and unfortunately he's had just a some pure rotten luck uh, in terms of his knee as well too so i could just imagine that especially it must be must be bittersweet to watch your team and your clubs succeed and i suppose given the start that the days are off to at the moment yeah. To not be a part of that and to know that he had certainly a spot in the side at that time must be pretty a bit of a bit of pill to swallow a little bit. Yeah, no, I definitely um, deep down inside, um, you know, it would be uh, chewing him up and, and guys in his position. That, you know, because yeah, as I said before, you're, you're a competitor. You want to be out there doing what you love. It's um, you know, you don't you don't play to train, you know, you train to play. So, and when you're just training and training and training all the time and not getting the opportunity to play, um, it's sort of like, what am I doing this for? This is pointless sort of thing. But um, unfortunately, uh, injuries are part of uh, sport at all levels. Um, And yeah, some guys are just unlucky. Just quickly on that, sorry, given all your work with the club for the last few years, did you foresee anything like the start of this season for Melbourne? Um, I, I don't, to be honest, probably, um, no, not, not this well. Um, you know, I think, um, last year when they were up in the hub, they, they definitely, um, played some, some really good footy and some, some good games. And obviously, um, you know, a lot of the guys have said themselves that they let themselves down towards the, the end of the year uh, with a couple of bad losses, but, um, you know, they've obviously come back with a real hunger, um, to do well and, you know, I'm sure they're being driven really well by by Maxi. Um, you know, I think he's a, a super um, captain um, of the team, and they've got some some really good developing leaders coming through um, there as well. So, um, you know, yeah, to be honest, yeah, it probably has surprised me, and I, you know, it probably it's probably surprised them a little bit as well. To be, um, you know, they lost two games, and the two two games they could have quite easily have won. So, um, no, they're in a they're in a great position. Um, and they're, they're playing a great brand of footy, and um, you know they've um, you know they've had a really fit list, and um, you know they're being coached really well, and it seems like they're you know they're they're following um, you know the coach's orders, which is um, always um, hard to do um, at times for you know to get you to to get your group to to do what you want all the time, and it seems like they are so a majority of the time. So no, it's. Um, it's good to see that um, you know, I'm really happy for a lot of the players that um, you know, that are going well and they're having some um, some good wins. 
So, Crossy, it's been said that uh, back in your playing days, your wife would hide footies in the covers of your home so that yeah. you'd be quick on your hands when opening them. Is that true? Can you confirm? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. With um with social media these days, uh, there can be some vicious rumours going around, can't there? But if there's ever going to be a rumour, it's probably not a bad one, is it? But no, um, no it's not actually true. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah, it's um it's not it's not a bad one. I wasn't uh, out in the town and um and doing something wrong or anything <laughs> like that. But, um, yeah, it's something to improve. But no, no. Sam was uh she's always trying to get footies out of the house because we had uh, I was always um stealing them and you know taking them home for uh for training in the off season and that sort of thing so she's trying to get rid of them but um but no no it's not true see i heard a different version as well it must be chinese whispers because i <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, i don't know who started well i heard yeah. from so i heard that version from trenners and then i heard the other version from fitzy who said that you and boydy used to play it and then you both would put them in the cupboards and then whoever's ball hit the ground, <laughs> then the other person would get a point. <laughs> Maybe Boydie started this. Yeah, I don't Let's know. Back to Matty Boyd, I reckon. Classic stitch up. <laughs> yeah. He started it. I thought you were going to say something else with me and Boydie. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, um, no, neither are true. But then, oh, again, there you go. Uh, yeah, if people want to keep running with them, I don't know. But, um, I've yeah, got one no, other thing actually, um, Crossy, for you. I'm not sure. <laughs> My dad's got my dad's yeah. actually sent something in. He said he, he wanted to know. Yep. This is another another rumor, whether it's true or not. Is it yep. true? Can you confirm? Ed Barlow, was he one of the only people, the only person actually beat you in the one and only time trial that anyone ever got close to you? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it haunts me. It haunts me still. No. Um, in my first couple of years, me and Daniel Bandy, um, we used to always come in together. Um, in the time trial, so we're obviously close. Um, but yeah, other than Ed, I'd um, yeah, I hadn't um, been uh, knocked off. But yeah, it was interesting. Like that day, like we, we obviously we know our PBs. We used to do Princess Park, the full lap, three point two k's, and we all knew our PBs, our personal best. And um, I was only I was one second off my personal best, and I still got done. And the worst thing about it was is that he. Um, he, he took off and then he stopped all of a sudden and he stopped to do up his shoelace and he still beat me. So it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it wasn't, wasn't a good day. It's, um, <laughs> it haunts me, but, um, you know, I'll never put that one down. I always get reminded about that one. Yeah. Well, that's a shocker. Did, and what about yeah. when you went over to the D's? Did you, were you up there still with their running and did anyone come close to you over at the D's? Yeah, no, we had some real running machines at, uh, at Melbourne. I used to come in about third, fourth, um, fifth, um, wow. Rowan Bale was a freak. Dan Nicholson, uh, Tommy McDonald, um, at that time, um, they were all amazing. And, um, yeah, Nath Jonesy was, uh, was always up there as well. So it was usually us five, but yeah, I, I could never beat, um, Dan and, um, and Row. Um, they were unbelievable. Uh, they used to do the, yeah, just the three K at the Princess Park and, I remember trying to go with them one time, and the the big gorilla jumped on my back, and uh, yeah, I couldn't uh, couldn't stay with them. But um, yeah, no, they were uh, they were freaks, those guys. So you said you said you play footy now, um, but yeah. I suppose more so on a you know outside of football life. Um, yeah. I suppose yeah. What are you what are you up to now? Yeah, so um, yeah, obviously, unfortunately, I, I lost my job last year due to COVID. So about um, 
that was yeah, sort of May that I, I sort of found that out, um, that I probably wasn't going to be able to get uh, a new contract. So I've, I'm, um, I'm working with a company called the Joss Group. They're in uh, construction and facility management um, up in New South Wales. Um, their main office is in Albury, which is my hometown. Um, so I work in their injury management department. Um, so working in uh, with injury and, and rehabilitation um, in my previous job sort of uh, helped me transition a bit across to that. So, um, yeah, they, they do, you know, return to work and, and claims management claims management, they're, they're, they're a self-insured uh, company. So I've been um, working with them. A lot of the time I've been working from home because uh, the borders have obviously been closed with Melbourne and that. So I've uh, been working with them for just over a year now. Um, some great people that, um, that work there. Um, also working with Williamstown Footy Club. Um, so I'm running their rehab program um, down there. Justin Plapp's coaching uh, their, uh, this year and um, the boys are, are going um, really well. Um, so yeah, some again, it's some great people down there. Work with them on a Tuesday and, and Thursday night, um, and then yeah, coaching kids sport and um, yeah, also playing um, with my beloved Aubrey Tigers uh, as well. Um, so that's my my home team up in the Ovens of Murray. So um, yeah, also being a dad, um, I, guess, I guess I can't leave that one out, and, and being a husband, um, yeah, it's uh, yeah probably the most important job, obviously, but um, yeah. With all that, I'm uh, I'm kept pretty busy. Yeah, I'll say. Just to finish off with a bit of a philosophical one, but if out of all your AFL experience, is there is there one key learning or a series of moments that you really think that have helped shape your approach to life and everything sort of outside of football? Like my my career um, was wasn't handed to me on a on a platter. Um, I'll put it that way. Like I. I, I worked extremely hard for, for what I got out of the game. Um, and I, I'm sort of thankful for that in a way um, because it certainly did teach me a lot of great lessons of, of perseverance. Um, you know, those, those key things that I spoke about that I talked about, you know, teaching the young guys, they're things that I, I lived. Um, you know, the attention to detail things and, and all those, those little one percenters, um, you know, having a purpose of why I'm coming into training every day. Um, you know, they're, they're the real things that, um, you know, that, that drove me to, um, you know, the, the career that I, um, well, the longevity of the career that I was able to have. Um, so, yeah, it, it definitely taught me those things and, and respecting the game and, and just, you know, having a real appreciation for it. Um, yeah, not not taking it for granted and just making every post a winner, because um, it's it's interesting. Like you, when you're a young fella and and you you know you have the the veterans or the past players come in and they always tell you you know enjoy these times. It's the best time of your life. Um, you know when you finish, you'll you'll look back and, and wish that you had it done more. And um, you know, I think a lot of guys um, I think oh yeah yeah yeah, but I, I really took that on. Um, and now I think about it now, you know, if I could go back and do it all again, I, I just absolutely would. It's just, it's just the, the best job um, to have. Um, yeah, I um, absolutely yeah, loved uh, the time that, that I was given and the opportunities that I was given. Um, yeah, as I said, it's a, a privileged position to, to be in as a player. So, um, yeah, I guess, um, you know, 
haven't answered your question. I've, I've answered it in a roundabout way. No, but, that's yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, just having a, you know, a real appreciation um, for, for the game and you know what can give you. One quick last thing I forgot to ask this before. I got told to ask you about your yeah your passion for bone broth. Can you tell us about that? <laughs> um, well, it, it fizzled out pretty quick, <laughs> the passion for it. Oh. Um, you saw it was during that year, um, 2014, um, when I cracked my fibula. Um, I was doing anything possible to try and get back as, as quick as I could. Um, and, yeah, had just done some research. Um, yeah, on, on the bone broth and, um, you know, bone stimulators and all that sort of stuff. And I, I was just doing absolutely yeah, anything I could. So, um, yeah, gave it a try. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, seriously, it stunk the house out. We, we tried to cook <laughs> one um, ourselves and little did I know you could just buy it from a, a health food store. <laughs> we tried to make our own. And, uh, oh, it was terrible. I, and we, I, because we made a huge batch, we would put it in the fridge and, um, you know, trying to eat it like jelly, it, it makes me sick. Oh. Trying to eat it. <laughs> yeah. it doesn't um, sound good. But yeah, I reckon I knocked off a week or so in uh, in my recovery. So um, who knows if it worked? <laughs> uh, it's all it's all in the mind. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, the one that we made was uh, was terrible. Um, yeah, I think just just buy it from a from a store and um, yeah, hope for the best. But um, no, I don't have a passion for it anymore. No, not anymore. <laughs> Did you cop enough shit for it, Jürgen, during yeah, that time? Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, mate. Just to finish off, we've got our little quick quiz at the end in five in a flash. So we're going to ask you five quick questions. Let's go to yeah. the first thing that comes to your head. All right, Crossy. Best player you ever played against? Ben Cousins. Biggest spray you saw Ruzi give a player? Oh, I can't answer this one quickly. Rodney Ede was, yeah, obviously one of my coaches. He would give a, a serious spray, but Ruzi never really gave sprays. He was more sarcastic and sort of made you feel really small rather than um, giving it to you. He gave one to uh, Lyndon Dunn, um, yeah, feel really small after one game. So I'll say Dunny. <laughs> <laughs> Second favourite sport? Uh, basketball. Funniest play you've ever played with? Uh um, Rob Murphy. D's versus Dog Grand Final in 2021. Who are you barracking for? <laughs> That's a shocking question. <laughs> I uh, think we know the truth. No draws anymore, is there? Uh, <laughs> no. Not answering it. <laughs> Fair enough. Who's your tip, Crossy? No, I can't. Can you tip? That's the same What's thing, that? isn't it? No, yeah. your heart's in one, and then who you think your, your head's in another. Yeah, I know where he, we know where his heart's at. Come on, majority <laughs> <laughs> rules in this uh, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> did yeah, you watch that? Ga- did you watch that game, Steph? Did you see that game that we played, you guys? It was horrendous. Yeah, <laughs> horrendous. I think we've got you again, happy. don't we? Towards the end of the year, we got you again. Towards the yeah, end. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think it's at the G, oh, actually. Yeah, see you there. We'll have to take the bubs. We will. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, Crossy, thank you so much for joining us, mate. It's been yeah an absolute pleasure to have you on. I know speaking to past players, you're 
held in the highest regard from all your AFL career, not only just your time at the D's, but also yeah, your ultimate professional. And yeah, we really enjoyed hearing your experiences and your insights and not only in your playing, but in your coaching and development side, because that's a really important side. And especially as us teachers, we can certainly relate to some of those things as well too. So no, really appreciate you coming on. Uh, great to meet you guys. Um, yeah, first time meeting you all. So um, uh, appreciate your time and thanks for having me on. Thanks, Cassie. Awesome. Thanks, mate. All right, mate. Take care. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks so much. All the best.